Hey there, party people. This is Queer Watching. We are two queers coming at you from opposite coasts of the United States, here to talk about all things film and television with a queer lens. I'm Jesse, here with my best pal, Brianna, and today we are talking about The Old Guard. Uh, the Old Guard is a 2022 American superhero film, although let's discuss if that's true, because I don't know that it is, but we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood, who just made this year The Woman King, another great movie, mm-hmm. and written by Greg Ruka from his comic book, also called The Old Guard, so same name. Film star Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane. And a brief synopsis is... Led by a warrior named Andy, a covert group of tight-knit mercenaries with a mysterious inability to die, have fought to protect the mortal world for centuries. But when the team's recruited to take on an emergency mission, their abilities are suddenly exposed, and it's up to Andy, the newest member, Niall, and the group to eliminate the threat of those who seek to replicate and monetize their power by any means necessary. I love it. It was originally released in July 2020 on Netflix. So you on our last pod said that you had never seen this movie. Turns out you have seen this movie. Turns out I have. I was just really stoned, apparently. Because what else was I doing in the early days of the pandemic except drinking copious amounts of alcohol and smoking a lot of weed? Um (laughs) Didn't remember anything, but everything seemed very vaguely familiar. Because why would I ever pass up an opportunity to watch Charlize Theron kick a whole bunch of ass and look really hot with a haircut that I could totally pull off? I wouldn't. So, of course, I've seen it. Perfect. And we should issue a spoiler alert. So, spoiler alert for The Old Guard, the comics it's based off of, and also Atomic Blonde, because we know Brianna's going to bring it up, and she insisted that I mention it in the spoiler alert. So, yeah. Um, I appreciate you. No problem. So, now that you've seen this movie at least twice, as have I, I love this movie. What are you, how are you feeling about it? You a fan? I, I am a fan. I, I mean, again, I am a sucker for a great action movie. There, it's probably one of my go-to genres. The, my, I'd say my third go-to genre. There's definitely just regular comedy, and then comedy action, and then action. Like the sweet spot is when you blend the two. It's just perfect. But really enjoyed this movie. Loved all the swearing. I feel like the mm. swearing especially when Shirley's throne says motherfucker, I like <laughs> felt it deep in my bones. And I thought it was really cute just with the ways in which they so seamlessly wove in gayness and the like dismissal of any kind of homophobia. And that like these people were super macho in the fact that they could kill people in the blink of an eye. Um, and that, it was just, yeah, we'll we'll talk all about their romance and their cuteness. <laughs> um, but I thought it also brought up some really good points to kind of, like, struggle with and made you think. And then, oof, with the ending. And I don't mean the ending ending. I mean the, like, after credits ending, which yep. we will talk about. I know. So, overall, <laughs> really excited about this movie. Glad I got to see it for a second time. Glad it excited me again. And yeah. What about you, Jess? You said you liked it. Yes. Yeah. I think this is one of my favorite action movies. I think it's nice to have, uh, again, I don't know if it's superhero, but a hero story that isn't Marvel or DC and feels mm-hmm. kind of separate in its own. And also one that kind of examines like immortality in a way I think people would right like some of the scenes where they talk about how everyone that they've you know known in their lives have died a long time ago before we get the new character Niall the last guy joined the team in 1812 so there it you know it's been over a hundred years and and they just look at life so differently. It kind of almost in some ways reminded me of the elves from Lord of the Rings because they live so long. <laughs> Don't give me that this look. Is, this is when we need like a nerd alert button. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> because they look at time differently because they live so long. So yeah, it's not 
quite a human look at time because our lives, you know, don't usually exceed a hundred years. One could even say it takes a twilight perspective where the vampires just live for a very, very long time. So time impacts them differently. I don't know why you went with Lord of the Rings and Twilight was right there. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just have two different places in our hearts for those things. But anyway. Also, let's be very, very clear. Lord of the Rings is a phenomenally better movie than Twilight. Just hands down, it is better in every single way. And I do not like Lord of the Rings. But the Twilight series was just trash in so many ways. The acting was horrendous. But I'm digressing because we're not here to talk about Twilight. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I know. I watched your face. (laughs) It's like, oh, no. (laughs) I intentionally paused for dramatic effect. (laughs) Whew. It's all right. It went okay. Agreed. Yes. Yes. Peter Jackson made some great, great, great films. Um, Yes. One more thing kind of about overall why this movie is so amazing is all the different kinds of action that we see. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hand-to-hand combat. They get out swords and axes in different places, but there's also lots of gunfighting and ballistic shooting. There's grenades. So I really liked all the different kinds of action. It felt like it was very balanced and, and in all different kinds of places, right? Some are very claustrophobic, like the... When it's just Kiki Lane and Shirley's thrown on the airplane fighting like fisticuffs, that was amazing. But when the whole team like busts on in and starts like sharing guns and reloading for each other, that was also amazing. So the action and just in this feels really, really unique. And I really enjoyed it a lot. And I just want to really quickly circle back to how you just said fisticuffs instead of fisticuffs. <laughs> really put a lot of emphasis on that it was great um i'm sure that was your favorite scene with the bone popping out and everything okay but yeah that i did not like so I much i immediately but... thought of you i immediately Ugh. thought of you i was like look away <laughs> but i think in the very beginning of what you were saying you brought up a great point about would we call this a superhero film because we have that overview which i think you pulled from wikipedia the one that calls it a 2020 american superhero film but the synopsis uses the word warrior Mm -hmm. and I personally would not like I don't feel like this is a superhero film Mm -hmm. because to me superheroes like or superhero movies have that but not even because I was gonna say that like come to realization and then like let me get my my suit let me get my weapons let me have this like come to power moment but then you think of things like Hancock and I would also classify that as a superhero movie but because it has that like mystical aspect in the I can fly I am like incredibly strong and the only quote-unquote power these people have is the ability to not die we don't see that they have amassed ridiculous amounts of wealth they're not driving really high profile cars they're not um super strong or anything they're just warriors by birthright because they were all born and fought in wars and then have had time to train and hone their skills for generations and centuries yeah so i think a mortal warrior film would be a more accurate description for me than superhero i agree because i feel like a lot of key things that make superhero films were missing I completely agree. I feel like this was a choice by the marketing team to jump on that superhero wave and make Mm. sure that their movie, yeah, like flagged all the right things. But even seeing it twice and being a huge superhero comic book guy, it doesn't, I don't find this to be a superhero story. And in some ways, there's a line that proves that depending on like, the century some of them have been anti-heroes right mm-hmm. like she asks are you guys the good guys and he literally says depends on the century we fight for what we think is right mm-hmm. but like Which? The only what you think is right is the time only mm-hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty. so yeah it's it's not an explicit superhero story to me and didn't really register as one yeah and i definitely want to come back to that statement because hoof is it loaded Um, But before we get further into that, 
I also wanted to talk about how you were talking about the different like combat styles. And that is something that you can always bank on Charlize Theron doing well. She did it very well in this movie. She did it very well in Atomic Blonde. That's one. Um, she also did it very well in Mad Max. Like her yep, action movies, mm-hmm. yes, are phenomenal. And you really believe that she is a person or her as a person is capable of like those acts. And that acts, I did not know. Like I knew, I knew because I've seen quite a few men chop wood, but I did not know that I would find axes that sexy. But when she was lodging it into people's necks, I was like, it was hot. It was hot. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not even going to lie. I would let her save me again and again and again. That doesn't sound at all like you. No, not at all. (laughs) I'm just fangirling over here. Hi, Charlize. Yes, I agree. I loved all the action scenes. What do you think about the way in which they were set up and... Andy being on the fence about even wanting to continue doing what she was doing slash taking on this job. I guess my first thought is when they were going to take the mission and it was like, oh my gosh, these poor children also will pay you as much as you possibly want. Those were kind of some, some red flags for me. I was like, oh no. Also the character of Booker, who is the newest immortal Mm -hmm besides the one the brand new one we get in the movie he kind of always reads as a little bit of a piece of shit to me so the fact that he betrayed them i kind of saw coming the first time but also because they're immortal it's not like they're not gonna be family anymore there's only like five of them so or six depending on because <laughs> when they took this job Niall wasn't immortal yet correct yep yeah and there's a rule they have a rule that they don't do a job a second time. She said, no repeat jobs. That's it. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, they don't want it to get out that they're immortal. So if they run into someone that they're not, that, that saw them as dead or something, I imagine those are going to, that's going to make it impossible to, <laughs> I don't know, keep their secret longer, I guess, or or difficult at the very least. So, Yeah. And I thought it was very intentional that they used children, um, given that she was a woman. Uh, I don't know if that's how I was supposed to read it, but I was like, of course, they're going to have the woman character be like, oh, no, we must go save the children. Okay, I'll do it. Um, I'll break my one rule that's supposed to keep us safe. And then, of course, like I also saw it coming from a mile away. I was like, well, we have to have conflict. I mean, the movie starts with them all dead on the ground. So we need to know why they're all dead. And then it goes to that. But honestly, it reminded me of an NCIS episode where like that was exactly what they had to go do. They had to go rescue a whole bunch of children from people being held. But it happened in the Middle East. And I was like, yes, this is a tactic that is used time and time again. I, though, was not. Was I expecting Copley to have been behind it? No, I think I was expecting it to have been the people that kidnapped the children. And so then when it cut to him, I was like, ah, okay. But I was also curious about like why Andy was having and hawing about doing this kind of life anymore. Like what else was she going to do? Had she not done this before and like come back to it? Like, or are they just always warriors? Like, have they ever been like this century, I'm going to find someone and fall in love or like, are they just constantly fighting battles? I could see getting tired of that. Yeah. She does seem to be grappling with it until it starts affecting her people, right? It's when her people get captured that it's no longer a question of, are we going to help humanity? It's more like, okay, well, now they have the family, so we have to go get them. Because if I'm remembering correctly, they were all embracing and stuff like that as if they had been apart for a long time. And they hadn't seen each other for a while. But what is a long time? Exactly. It could have been a couple of years. It could have been, oh, I haven't seen you since the 1900s. But like, I had gotten the impression that they just were constantly always together. But the beginning was kind of like a reunion, right? 
Yes, but I think essentially both are true. I think it's been, I think Booker says after he's asking her to join, like, it's been a year. So we're supposed to think they haven't seen each other in about a year. But for oh, them, it was part. probably a blink of an eye. Okay. I did not hear that part. So that's why I wonder. Yeah, when he's saying. trying to convince her, he like essentially says, like, we know you needed some you time, but yeah, it's been a year. So it does feel like Andy is very nihilistic in a lot of ways. Like, as the oldest one, she very much is what the fuck is the point? Because you know no one's seen as much as she has and and she's grappling a lot with like does any of this matter am i actually helping anyone which we kind of find out through the ripple effect later that she is which is very Mm -hmm. eye-opening because someone copley who they're Mm -hmm. looking for has made the timeline to like draw like oh she saved this person and their grandkid like you know cured this cancer or whatever so you know that's eye-opening but it doesn't feel like to her she's made any difference. So, and I think this is especially apparent when she is retrieving Niall after Niall's become immortal and trying to get the team all together. Mm-hmm. And she shoots her in the head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously we know she's immortal, so it's going to be totally fine. It's probably just like flicking someone to them, right? It's whatever. I mean, so painful yeah it has to be a painful flick they do feel pain yeah okay that's fair so maybe a little aggressive but andy's clearly frustrated and impatient but niall talks about god and andy is very much like yeah that's not a thing there was a time where they worshiped me as a god so like good luck good luck on that front yeah but it doesn't sway niall at all which i thought was it does not. And I am curious to see how time does for her because not for nothing when these people were alive and even now, um, religion was a really big thing for a lot of people. It was very rare to not believe in God or believe in any higher power. So I assume that at one point, all of these people did believe in their religion and just over the time they've either lost it or it has evolved to be something else for them, which I mean, I feel like I can relate to in that, like, with enough time passing, your ways of viewing things will change. And I also relate to the whole, like, I'm done, let the whole world burn, because yeah. even when working on like activism things and LGBTQ rights and rights of uh, cutie pock people and stuff like that, you get very defeated very quickly. And we've only been doing this for, 15 years so it's hard to imagine that you'd still be hopeful for the world or still be able to see the impact you're having when you've been doing it for at least 3,000 years oh yeah it felt pretty believable which you said that she was the oldest one so I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit do we ever get the name of the gentleman who dies I don't think so Okay. If they do, they say it very quickly. Yeah. And I didn't write it down. But that's because I didn't write anything down because hashtag no notes. Oh my gosh. You're stressing me out coming okay. unprepared. <laughs> okay. I am not unprepared. It's just all uh-huh. up in my cute little noggin. It's in my Santa hat. Anyway. So I was wondering if Andy really was the first one or if the guy that died was who like found her because if she really is the oldest one, then that means that she outlived him by thousands of years, or at very least centuries. And now she's coming, becoming mortal. So I like, I wanted to see if you truly felt like she was the oldest. Because I know she's the oldest out of who we've seen. Yeah, I guess I was thinking the oldest that we've seen. Okay. Not counting the the guy that died. I kind of felt like he was just there so that way just to prove that they could possibly die. Part of me thinks that their mortality 
might in some way be related to their will to live because as she gives up, she gets weaker. But it does kind of seem at the end that she healed back up once she was back on board. Okay, but humans do actually heal. Like, yes, she was shot in the side. But we weren't told how long, like, time-wise had actually transpired between the scenes. I suppose. And so, and, like, maybe it's not that all of their power goes away. Maybe that it's, it's like, it's faded significantly. So she's still healed faster. But, like, no, you're still going to die if I shoot you in the head. Gotcha. I guess we will find out in the next one. Yeah. Because I also was curious, like, Niall came about right when she was questioning, like, what is the point of doing this? We didn't really find out when Quinn came around. Was it around the time that this other guy died? Um, Have there been... I also wondered, like, are there other families? Like, I know that these people dream about each other. I didn't think I was going to talk about Twilight this much, but kind of like Twilight. Oh my gosh. (laughs) In that there are so many other clans that then find each other and can like sense each other and all of that stuff. So are there other families like that outside? Are we sure? Because I could see that being a hypothesis for the sequel. I already have a feeling about where they're going to go, but I would not be surprised if all of a sudden they're like, there's another one. How did we not know about you? And he's like, or they're like, I've been here from the dawn of time, you know? So I have a couple thoughts on that. I guess the first one would be how did Copley miss all of that in his timeline and his tracing everyone? He only found every member of this clan and no one else. That feels kind of fishy. Then also we, they seem to want to do the, Nile can feel Quinn because they haven't met thing and that feels too specific for there to be other people around that could interfere to me it also doesn't feel like it's any kind of region like it's like a global thing it feels like so yes but when they're talking about the dreams they didn't they use the language of like it's because we're meant to find you and so what if you only see dreams of people that you're meant to find and not for nothing but like there's a lot of history in the world and I, I don't know. I feel like it would be a possibility that there would be others or that like a conflict is going to spark a whole bunch of others coming up. I don't feel like in the sequel we'll get only these people or maybe there's a secret that Andy's been keeping that like she had a spat with a lover other than Quinn and they haven't talked for years. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can tell. (laughs) I think maybe that's just not the story that I would like to see, but I'm also not sure what I want to see. The story with Quinn, for anyone that hasn't watched the movie, is heartbreaking stuff. Heartbreaking. To separate. Fucking brutal. Yeah. So Quinn and Andy get caught. They're believed to be witches. They try to hang them. They don't die. So they're like, oh, well, now they're assuredly witches. Which immediately made me think of the book Night that we read in 10th grade. And that scene where the little like 10 year old boy was hung for like an hour and a half because he was so light, he couldn't actually hang himself. Because in this scene, they just keep coming back to life and they're just keep they just keep getting hung. I was like, oh, my God, this is horrific. Yeah, brutal stuff. But then to one up it, they separate the two of them, burn Charlie's Theron alive, at least that's the implication, take Quinn, put her in a metal coffin, and throw her to the bottom of the ocean so she just has to drown over and over again. So uh, this was wildly creative and terrible to me. Yes. Yeah, just just horrible. I would never I would never want. The, the drowning not the fire I mean the fire is also awful but she was clearly able to get away yeah but did you read it so like we know at the end we find out that Quinn is still alive but when we're learning about Quinn and Niall is having that dream did you read it as Quinn was still alive and still experiencing this horror after 500 years the first watch I did not immediately. It was definitely a question I had because they can't die, right? They're immortal. So I was like, so is that still happening? But then they had a line that said something like, 
Andy looked for another 500 years but could never find her. And that made it seem so final that they'd want you to like not keep thinking about it. But also, if they can't die, it is still a question, obviously. I read it very much as she was still alive because Niall said, like, I can feel her. Yeah. And right then and there, you're like, okay, well, if you're dreaming about people that you're supposed to meet and you can feel her, then that's present tense. She would have said, I can, I felt her if it had been past tense. Also, Andy, bone to pick with you. Because are you fucking kidding me? You searched for 500 years? I'm sure you searched for 500 years. Also, with the adaptation of technology, you couldn't find a fucking metal detector. You couldn't have worked a little bit, gotten some wealth, killed some people, taken a submarine to the area of which your friend was... No. She needs no. to call James Cameron. <laughs> I hear you. Get him in his submarine I hear down there. You. Also, you didn't see that movie and be like, ooh, let me do that. Bone to pick with Quinn motherfucker you're immortal you heal why the fuck are you not shoving your fingers through the holes of the face of your coffin and ripping the rusted screws out of things like i feel like if i was waking up every five minutes to then drown and die I would be breaking every bone in my body trying to figure out how to get out of there. And maybe she was. Maybe the few glimpses that we got were not of her breaking her bones to get out of there. Maybe that is how she got out. I feel like metal rusts, probably rusted. She swam to the top. I don't know. But I I think that Quinn is going to have a bone to pick with people yeah. for leaving her for five hundred years well i think it's yeah i mean that's how long they looked but it's been longer okay but also your point about technology is super valid thank you yeah she like my next question wouldn't have would be like okay so this is where it looked like she was when are we gonna go find her now like like why are we just done looking? I don't I don't understand. Like mm-hmm. where where was the final give up? Also, if you know where you were when you were being burnt alive, like I brought up to to my wife, I was like, there's no way that they would have sailed very far to dump this body. And so why wouldn't you just start there, bring new technology and find her? Again, I get it's oceans huge. I'm probably making this quest seem not as difficult as it is, but again, hundreds of years. What did you think about the big pharma of it all? Just, you know, to pivot really quick. I, I thought it was just kind of played for laughs. They don't really dissect it at all in that. Uh, well, okay, I guess a little bit, but. I think using the guy from Harry Potter, Harry Melling, who plays Dudley Dursley in Harry Potter, he was such an over-the-top villain to me that, like, when he started on, like, the big pharma stuff, I was like, this whole thing is just silly, and I don't know. I obviously hate big pharma, so I didn't think it was that funny, but at the same time... If you're going to do a plot line like that, it makes sense to use it because it's pretty good motivation. It literally happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I felt like it was trying to do like tongue in cheek, like when Meta's like, oh, we're a horrible company that farms your data. That's not what we do. And then it turns out that the plot line of that villain story is that that's exactly what they do. Um, Because yes, I was like, Every example of medical discoveries, I shouldn't make that general of a statement, but many medical discoveries done by big pharma have been at the expense of people from marginalized communities having tests like this done on them, being held against their will because of the age-old debate, do you sacrifice some to save many? And time and time again, people are saying, no, you don't sacrifice a few to save many like when you watch movies that's you don't want the heroes to be sacrificed but then you have booker's son and like his 
reason for doing, for selling out as friends, yes, was to not be lonely anymore, but also because he thought that he could save so many, like Copley's same motivation. And then you realize that like, oh no, but I'm still sacrificing people and sacrificing people to save other people is not enough or is not worth it, I should say. Yeah, I think because they're immortal, it's also probably easier for them to excuse away the whole, like, we're killing people because they know they'll survive. But it's pretty telling when they're torturing one of them and they say something like, like, you're not the first one to do this to me, nor will you be the last. Like, you know, we've been in this situation and in every decade when you guys figure this out and still this advance that you're talking about has never happened. So and I'm sure that every evil doctor has been like, but it will be mine. But, you know. Yeah. Still no. Yeah. I also wonder if experiences like that impacted the sides that they choose to be on. Because like we said that line that they said where it was like, we've always just decided what side we're on or something like that. What was the line? Oh, she asked, are you the good guys or the bad guys? And they say, depends on the century. We fight for what we think is right. Yes. So when she said that, I was thinking about the context of like who these people are when they became immortal. And we learned that Nikki and Joe, Joe. were fighting on opposite sides of the war. Every Everyone essentially was fighting in a war. And so we all ha- they all had the belief that what they were doing at the time was right. The people they were fighting were wrong. And as we've experienced in real life, it takes a lot of self-effort to change those views or consider that you are incorrect. And so for this movie, I feel like we were made to believe that all of these people have, for the most part, not sided with Hitler not sided with the KKK, not sided with the um, the Russians and like everyone that universally we can agree are not great humans. But that probably took a lot of growth because not for nothing, but these people probably had a lot of prejudices and hatreds that were fueled by the time in which they were brought up. Yeah, absolutely. I think the movie very quickly kind of shows you that that doesn't get in their way necessarily though, because those two that were fighting each other over and over again are uh, now lovers. And the two of them have the best scene in this movie. Am I right? In the back oh my of God. the police vehicle. Yes. Uh, that scene. Americans. So, so good. One of the police officers asks, what is he your boyfriend? in a very like gross condescending way and joe gives this really amazing speech about how nikki is how referring to him as his boyfriend is essentially like stupid because he's so much more than that Mm -hmm. he's yeah the love of his life forever his kiss still gets him going it's he's his everything um that you know i didn't do it justice it's a fantastic speech great great dialogue but yeah and that's oh just so good i also love the beat there's like a beat when the police officers weren't ready for that answer and don't know what to do before they pull them apart and you can just tell that like i don't want to say they were moved but even they were like not ready for that response so yeah and i think they weren't ready for the emotions that that response elicited in them and they were like no and then they all died they did all day. It was great. <laughs> but oh my gosh, the two of them are the highlight of this movie. They're like, you know, yeah. And the way that they'll just like reload each other's guns while they're like shooting and pass better guns to each other without even like looking or talking about it. It just shows like a a chemistry and cohesion that is just like you don't even need words for. Oh, Ugh, so good. And like the fact that they still feel that way after centuries yeah together so talk to me about your feelings about niall's character and like how we meet her and just her in general 
I thought it was really good. Honestly, I her original death was hard to watch. Um, it was very emotional. Like she's there with her friends and I don't know. They're trying to like hold her neck together. It just feels very like military tragic. And a lot of ways to tell a story like this, you have to introduce a new one because you need some kind of narrative to answer the audience's flood of questions they definitely have at like how this world of immortals works. So if we get a new one, then all of our questions in theory will get answering, or at least we get a great big, you don't get to know that. Because I think the first question she has is why. And Charlize Theron is like, okay, that I can't tell you, but what are your other questions? (laughs) And this is why I love a doing this podcast with you B being your best friend and see just you in general is that like I know those things I I know Nile is a plot device and then also you saying that I'm like ah okay so that's why she was introduced so when I go and watch other movies I'm like okay this is this is this is the tool that they're using to tell the story and I feel like it gives me a better film lens I mean that's just one of many purposes she's serving She's also the young, fresh blood that's going to get a lot of these stuck-in-their-ways people to look at things with fresh eyes, perhaps modern eyes. So, both of those things. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, in the comic book, I, I have not read the comic books. I definitely want to. There's a, there's a huge chance that she's not used that way, but also, you know, we got to move the narrative along in certain ways, and it has to feel semi-organic, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, something that I did not understand a scene with Niall in it was at the very end or towards the end when she's like I can't go in and kill as many people as you just killed and Andy gives her a gun and she's driving away blah 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 goes to go ditch the guns and she notices that there's no bullets in there and all of a sudden she goes Andy and rushes back I feel like I missed something was she realizing that Booker was setting Andy up was she realizing Andy was trying to kill herself like what what was happening there So Booker pulls the guns that he has prepared out of the trunk and hands like a couple to the two of them. And so, yes, essentially that's Niall figuring out that Booker is, is setting them up. Okay. Because Andy would never have, yeah. Andy would never have handed her an empty gun. So yeah. And you, you very much see Booker like being the one to find Copley preparing the guns. Like it's, it's very, Andy's always like, these are your jobs. And then those are the ones that always have issues. If we look at how everything goes down, he's the one that found him. Like they can't find him for a while. He's the one that's supposed to be looking like, I don't know to me the entire time. It's like, um, hello, Booker's not doing his job. Anyone. <laughs> and the, I was like, la di la di la. This is totally believable. Um, I think they do a good job luring you into trusting mm -hmm. him when he talks about his family because it's very emotional. Yeah. It, you do feel for him in that moment and all of them, honestly. I feel like then we can kind of maybe do a deeper dive about Booker. I want to get your opinion on him as a character and on his decision to sell out his family essentially. And like his reasoning behind that. What, what are your thoughts? I think I'm very black and white on this. You just don't do that the end. Mm -hmm. But I was also the only guy in my entire English class that said, you don't shoot Lenny because he's your best friend. The end, you just keep running. Right. So I just, you just don't shoot your friends and family. I don't know. (laughs) Or betray them (laughs) if they're immortal. Right. Like he did shoot (laughs) Andy, but like she's immortal. So it's not the same, but. But when he shoots her, she's not immortal. Right, but he didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sad, sad stuff. She lives, but yeah, different circumstances for sure. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but maybe after... He also makes a comment about madness, right? Almost like he's experienced it. Niall says something like, I still have time with my family or I can't remember exactly what she says. And he essentially Mm -hmm. says that path only leads to madness, right? Mm -hmm. Like the more you stir that around and try to find an answer, the more insane you're going to go. So I think he's speaking from experience a little bit. 
And we very quickly get very sad and dark when he talks about how people in his life held it against him that he was immortal and called him selfish for not sharing his immortality with them as if that was something he could even do. So. Yeah. I think this is where my training as a social worker allows me to like understand where he's coming from. I don't know if I would necessarily do that, but that's because I am so relationship oriented that it really would take a lot for me. Like I'd have to be genuinely miserable. And even then I can't imagine doing what he did, but I a hundred percent understand it. Like he is trapped in this eternal hell and he of like surviving of surviving alone. He hasn't found an, an immortal that he can love and connect with. And so he's, doomed or destined, depending on your perspective, to spend the rest of his years, which he doesn't get to know how long that is, by himself or only losing people with only friendship. But also one of his friends just said, I need time alone for at least a year. And he has these memories of his family playing in his head, blaming him for letting them die. And then he's given an opportunity to potentially have the power to end it, to potentially not have to feel that pain anymore and that loneliness. Because I feel like as humans, we can all understand what it's like to be lonely or have experienced loneliness. But for him to betray the only people that know who he is, the loneliness and the sadness this man had to be feeling is immense. And so I understand. And I mean, I'm, I'm there with Niall. I probably would have been like, I will let you off with an apology because honestly, what is going on in our dynamic that like you did not feel as if you could convey these deep emotions. And like, if we've been through so much how are you not comfortable telling us what you're feeling? Like, how did we get to a point where you felt comfortable betraying us because your pain was worth our potential lives? Yeah, it sounds like they need a group therapist that probably wasn't around when they were all, I almost said conceived. I don't know, became immortal. (laughs) Not conceived, not conceived. That was, yeah. But yeah, I mean... I am glad that they didn't try and kill him or that they didn't banish him forever because Yeah, but I mean to your issue. To your point though, if loneliness created this, is making him being alone for another hundred years the solution? I don't agree. I don't think so, which is why I said I would have let him off with the apology. But I think because I am not immortal, I don't understand the concept of a hundred years. Him and Andy were like, haha, okay, I was expecting a lot worse. Like I I will I will take this punishment in kind. Like it's fine. Um Yeah, I feel like we probably could have met him in the middle of like ten years. Like you wanna I agree. Yeah, we see him kind of at the end. He's on a bender, like just go on a quick tenure bender and then <laughs> you can I mean, be bought back. And also though, all the red flags of him constantly being the only one who was chugging. I mean, not constantly, Andy definitely chugged alcohol, but like all yeah, the Mr. Time Flask. Yeah. Being obliterated because he was he was miserable. Like Yeah. There was there were so many red flags about him. But then again, when people are really that sad and really that unhappy. We see how he was pulled out of it when he thought he was going to be losing these people. Sometimes we don't always think about like, what are the worst case scenarios that our actions can have? Your rock bottom, if you will. Exactly. And so when he realized that that his actions were going to lead to the never ending torture of his family and that his action almost killed the one person who made him feel like he was not alone. Then he was like, oh, let me not do this. I was really surprised they did not kill Copley. What did you think? Well, it's because they want to use him in the sequel, right? We kind of see at the very end that she's like, okay, Mr. I know everything tech wizard, 
you will now erase us from the internet as we live our lives. So they're going to use him as like this, we don't have to be afraid of this anymore, or at least in the same ways kind of plot device, I think. Yes, but we didn't know that that was how they were going to use him until that scene. So like when they're busting, I immediately expected him to get like either a bullet to the head or it to be a slow, torturous death. And then I was like, oh, they're letting him live. They're also seeing that this was a human in pain. And they're forgiving him for his actions. A lot of times when it's one of the top paid actors, they're also just more expensive. So they're not going to just polish him off because he is the dialogue, right? So if he's not in a mask like everyone else is, he's going to live out. He's going to outlive them at least. And I mean, not for nothing, like you pointed out in some of your notes, the cast was not very racially diverse. Yep. And so we need to make sure there's more experiences represented in the film. And why not do it with a name that is notable? Yeah, I immediately thought it was kind of bothersome that the one dead immortal was the black guy. And Quinn, who's like barely in it, (laughs) was the Asian woman. I was like, oh, so it just happens to be four white people left? Like, thankfully, Niall added a little bit. Yes, I believe the one thing I do remember from the plot line was the like, I'm pretty sure he's either Turkish Oh, okay. Or or Greek of some kind, because I'm pretty sure that was the war that was being fought. But yes, definitely. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define race. If you define it through the lens of Americanness, then he would be considered white because there's only seven racial categories. But he is a person of color. Yeah. Just un- undetermined ethnicity. So besides the scene of the bones popping out, which was a little brutal to me, this is actually the kind of like violence, and I have read in some reviews even hyper violence, that I can actually handle. Like bullets to heads doesn't bother me as much (laughs) as, yeah, like bones sticking out and stuff or like guts. The one scene with the grenade where we saw his intestines a little bit, yeah, didn't love that. That was Yes, but also was suspicious. I don't know. They were there to take them. They needed all of them. They know they're immortal. Why would they leave him behind? Okay, so I did wonder that too, and I'm kind of glad that you reconfirmed that because I was like, yes, that is a little bit weird. But also, people are dumb, so I didn't think too much of it. So it could have something to do, it could not. That was the biggest tell to me. Is when really? they didn't, yeah. When they didn't take him too, it was like, oh, he's got to be in on it. If it's this calculated, this many people have died. We're not going to leave the immortal behind. Absolutely not. When they took the other two, no, no. Like I hear you, but but think about it this way. Like you might be like, oh yeah, he's immortal to bullets, and also we just imploded his torso with a grenade. Maybe he's not immortal to that. So they didn't stick around to find out? No, because other motherfuckers... I would... No, I'm sorry. You could not pay me enough to stick around and find out if some fucker was going to grow back to life. No, thank you. But the next step was going to find Andy. Like, if those are my two options, I'm going to stay and wait and see what happens with the body. With the drunk one. You're right. I will. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. We'll we'll watch the drunk. (laughs) Exactly. Dibs on babysitter. <laughs> we are um, not the warriors in the apocalypse team I'm forming. Oh, so you know. good God, no. Again, you, I'm squeamish. I'm done. I'm you out. bring the flannels and we'll be good. <laughs> That's right. So then, um, how yeah. do you feel about like Deadpool? I can handle Deadpool. Okay. It's, because if I- there's like a, like a, a, desensitized layer kind of thing like a you know how like if a bone breaks and a limb kind of sticks out but it's under like a bunch of denim it doesn't seem quite as brutal as like the bone sticking out so her leg in this movie being zigzagged wasn't as brutal as the bone sticking out of her elbow correct to me (laughs) okay okay so because there's like a realness that doesn't translate until like guts or blood or bones happen and then i'm like oh no it's real and i'm out 
good good to know i really hope casey is with me if i ever have a potentially mortal injury because your bitch ass would be like i can't i know my role my role is stay conscious enough to get 911 <laughs> here. I know my role. I'm not I'm not a hero, okay? <laughs> your, your role is to just have the alcohol on hand because if I have a bone sticking out of anywhere, a bottle better be in my mouth. I don't care if it's vodka. Amazing. I can yes. do that. Great. Yes, I've had the same thought and I I'd like to think the adrenaline will be there enough. I'll be on the phone. And then, then if they're like, get in there with the blood, I'm like, well, you lost me. <laughs> get here quick. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh my God. Okay. So I know my role. <laughs> duly noted. We'll always travel with you and somebody else. Just yes. Yes. I am not a hero. Except <laughs> for that you. cell service. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the violence you can handle. Yes. For the most, okay. yes. <laughs> Yeah, even those scenes that I mentioned, like, I, I can handle them. I did, like, mostly watch them. So, yeah, it's things like Saw or Yellow Jackets. I just cannot. <laughs> I cannot. I don't know what Yellow Jackets is, but that's okay. Well, um, it's a show I tried to start twice and passed out, so. <laughs> no. Okay, good, 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 good. Yep, yep, yep. But I hear it's great. Good luck this to is, those actors. This is why you don't want to see Bones and all. Uh, I do want to see Bones and all, but I cannot see Bones and all. <laughs> what if we be. watch it together? Ooh, we can talk about it. We can talk okay. about it off pod. I don't okay. know. <laughs> I'm, di- I'm digressing too much. Did you notice that after Niall had like broken in and done a bunch of stuff, she was having a conversation and she had bug boots on? That felt like <laughs> a strange choice to me. I just thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> I did not, and I saw that note, and I was like, do I want to go back and see if, like, maybe this was shot on, like, the last day of filming, and the editors were trying to get it onto the fucking, or off the floor and onto the film, and they were like, you know what? Maybe no one will notice. Maybe no one will notice. I noticed, and there's no way she saved everyone, rolled through that building, killed everyone she needed to in Uggs, but, you know, boogie on with your fashion choices. (laughs) Especially because they have no traction. She would be slipping everywhere. (laughs) There you go. Great feedback. I've never worn them, but it it felt like an odd choice. I now have questions about the sequel news because before we started potting, I was like, oh my God, I hope there's a sequel. And thanks to the lovely Jess, (laughs) he did his damn research. Probably Googled, will there be a sequel? You know what? Fuck you. I'm prepared. (laughs) My questions have been lit. Um, and he came up with the quest or with the response of we can expect the old guard two to release sometime in summer or late 2023. Yeah, Netflix is really vague about their releases, but Great. filming has wrapped, so should be in post production. So amazing. I, yep. So back to my point about there being other people that are immortals. Do I wonder? If immortals can turn other immortals or other people immortal, kind of like vampires in Twilight, maybe, maybe I wonder it. I don't know. But why wouldn't Booker have done that with his son then? Because what if they don't like no one? We also were never told that they ever tried to turn other people immortal. Like, does the cross contamination of open wound from a mortal person to an immortal person, like if they blood bound? Does that work? The reason why I bring this up is I'm curious what role Uma Thurman and Henry Golding fucking love both of them. Bring on the violence because I want some shit. I just blanked on that movie name with Uma Thurman. Kill Bill. Kill Bill status within some like, let me strain my tie. Villain like James Bond-esqueness of Henry Golding. But I don't want them to be on the like where the CIA or where MI6 trying to capture these people. Like I want them to be with Quinn. I want them to be immortals too, or at least one of them, you know, what are you feeling? I feel like it's different. Yeah. I think I like the immortals as they are now. I don't need more of them in the world that we've built. I kind of just want to explore 
the Quinn plotline more. Like, I assume she's going to have some kind of revenge plotline. I guess what I'd like to see is Booker pretend to work with her, but then, you know, break his hundred years, stay away from us to be like, hey, guys, hey, team, hey, family, we have a problem. And it's Quinn. What do we do? And then just kind of like, what is that, right? And what it takes to hopefully change Quinn's mind, get her back on the team. And then I assume there'll be some big bad after that. I'd love to see some hand to hand between, I don't know, Uma Thurman and Charlize Theron. Like that sounds like Fingering action, if you will. Okay. I think I said hand to hand combat. (laughs) Yes. That action scene would be amazing. I think what we're going to wind up getting with Quinn's character, though, is they're going to wind up figuring out how to make immortals mortal and using it to kill Quinn right as she's realizing, I wish I had stayed and followed my family. Like some super, I feel like it's going to go away that you hate because you hate anything that is sappy and romantic and emotional. Well, no, Um, I was actually going to ask. But do you think Andy will be able to do that? Because there's strong implications that Quinn is was her lover. So is she going to be able to do that even if Quinn is evil, if you will? I don't know what role Andy will play in this movie. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Uma Thurman almost kind of like replaced her. As kind of like, again, this immortal that we haven't heard about. Because Andy has become mortal. So unless they figure out a way to make her immortal. We don't know that for sure. We think that Andy might be immortal, but also maybe her powers came back. We don't know. We're unclear. Unclear. Exactly. I do think, I mean, we've all read of mice and men. We know people kill people they love all the time. I think if anyone is going to wind up killing Quinn, it will be Andy and it will be sad and it might even look a lot like the scene with the other immortal that died. I don't know. Boy, some classic Star Wars shit right there between Obi-Wan and Anakin. <laughs> if Gotta only go kill your I best wasn't... friend. <laughs> yeah, I need a nerd alert button. I need one. I need one because... That's These just... are classic stories, Brianna. <laughs> uh-huh. Classic for people who didn't have lives. Anyway. Wow, wow. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I'm just kidding. I love y'all. Yeah. Half of this with? podcast <laughs> is a nerd alert. So, no. <laughs> all are welcome here, Brianna. You nerdy. Yeah. Especially if you're a Star Trek person, because I can yes. fuck with Star Trek. Star Wars can fuck all the way off, but Star Trek? Oh my gosh. Absolutely! I do apologize for her questionable taste. One thing to note about the sequel, uh-huh. um, it will be a different director, which I am a little bit disappointed about, but still excited for the movie. It won't be is it Gina Prince-Bythewood, yeah, uh-huh. who I really like, but Victoria Mahoney will be doing that. Not really familiar with her, but most of the cast, in fact, I think all of the cast will be back. So hopefully it will still be really great. And yeah. clearly we'll be doing that. Oh, even, absolutely. Even if somehow they remove all queerness from it, we will mm. still do it and talk about why they removed the queerness. I don't think they will. I'm just- so yeah, there was a fun tidbit from, I think it's on the wiki page, but Anyway, I'll just give you the the, sh- the long and short of it. Essentially, when the writer gave rights to this movie, his only stipulation was that, like, Nick and Joe stay a couple. So he wasn't going to let them uh, change the characters in, in, at least into that heteronormative way. So, And okay. maybe it was even that they had to put the scene into the movie. I can't remember the exact details, but there was some kind of stipulation that, yeah, Joe and Nikki had to had to be a thing, in, at least in certain ways. So, And there is a reading of this that Andy and Quinn are not lovers, but to me, it very much read as, yeah, Again, like some of our terminology of like husbands, lovers, whatever, right? Because of the timelines we're talking about, none of it feels like strong enough for what they mm-hmm. have going on. 
And I hear you, but it is spoken like someone who's never been in a codependent relationship with another woman. Shout out to you, Casey. Because we can come off very, very queer without being queer. So I didn't necessarily read that they were queer, but I can definitely see how it felt that way. I felt like they were two best friends that only had each other. Okay, just saying that made me sound very much like a church mom trying to de-queerify something. But Okay, I'm glad you heard it too. I was like, <laughs> hmm, okay, sure mom. Let's <laughs> put the bisexual spin on it and say it can go both ways. Well, I think it's, I don't know, to me, none of these people are straight. Because when you've lived you forever, yeah, you've of course just tried literally everything you can think of because you've all the time in the world. So... All immortals are queer, essentially, is how I kind of read it. And then, yeah, there's not unless, a lot of options of other immortal folks. So, <laughs> unless you're written by a Mormon, then you're very much straight. That's another Twilight reference, in case you missed it. Okay. Yeah. I was not sure where you're going with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's hope next week there's a lot less Twilight mentions. And uh, any last thoughts before? We, uh, you know, break for our Christmas holiday. <laughs> I'm very excited for this sequel. I really need a trailer to drop so that I can talk about mm-hmm. it with you. Loved this movie. We'll be watching it again, I'm sure. Thank you for joining us today on Queer Watching. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Queer underscore watching. And if you want to send us an email with recommendations or feedback, you can at queerwatching at gmail.com. Again, that's queerwatching at gmail.com. Happy holidays.